We begin with the ongoing COP27 climate summit in Egypt. Proceedings there have delivered warnings that by now have become all too familiar, that global temperatures are on track to blow past official targets. And that means that more severe episodes of cold and hot weather, bigger and more destructive storms and sea levels that threaten to displace millions of vulnerable communities. Delegates agree that urgent action is needed to end the global economy's reliance on fossil fuels that got us where we are today. It'll be an expensive endeavour though. The question now is how exactly will that money be spent and who should pay for it all? Now the cost of the transition to clean energy adaptation and compensation for losses for emerging economies is expected to hit two trillion dollars per year by 2030. Half of it can be raised from domestic sources like tax revenues and debt. The rest should come from rich nations and multilateral lenders like the World Bank and its regional peers. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. Greenhouse gas emissions keep growing. Global temperatures keep rising. And our planet is fast approaching tipping points that will make climate chaos irreversible. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. The top five greenhouse gas emitting nations are the United States, China, Russia, Brazil and India. Collectively, they've caused around $6 trillion in global economic losses between 1990 and 2014. Despite contributing the least to global emissions, low-income countries are paying the price. Incomes there are down 6.7% because of global heating. High-income countries experienced only a 1.5% average decrease in income, worsening inequality between rich and poor nations. Our future as young people is at stake. We contribute less than 4% to the global greenhouse gas emission, but yet the worst impact of climate change is upon us here in Africa. Nicholas Hegelberg is the climate change coordinator at the United Nations Environment Programme. He joins us now from Sharm el-Sheikh. Really good to have you with us, Nicholas. Now, we know that one of the main aims of Quad 27 is to keep the world aligned with the legally binding Paris Agreement, which aims to keep global heating well below 2 degrees Celsius, preferably uh, below 1.5 degrees. That rate is currently at around 1.1 degrees. Can you tell us why these seemingly small differences in temperatures is in fact crucial? Yes, uh, thank you for me having me here. It, indeed, we are actually now already reaching 1.2 degrees of global warming above the average uh, pre-industrial area. 1.2 may not seem uh, like an awful lot of, of degrees or even two degrees, but I would like you to think of it as your body temperature. So when you have a, a, a one degree fever, you're feeling off, you're, you, you don't feel quite right. And when you have a two degree fever, you're for sure, certainly already uh, probably not going to work. And if your kids are sick, you would stay home with them at a two degree fever. And in nature, when we see a difference between 1.5 degree at 1.5 degree, about 50% of all our coral reefs are uh, wiped out. And at two degrees, pretty much all of them. So the coral reefs, as we know them, as the uh, nurseries of the fish we eat and, and, and admire, that would be gone. 
Now, in the lead-up to COP27, your organisation, UNEP, released quite a, a damning report on the state of the climate crisis. You say that uh, there's currently no credible pathway to ensure that global heating stays below 1.5 degrees Celsius. As you say, it's now creeping to 1.2 degrees. How did you come to that finding that there, uh, in fact, is no pathway as it stands? And what needs to be done in order to keep global heating below that? That crucial 1.5 degree mark. Yes, indeed. Uh, the emission gap report came out a couple of weeks ago. And in the emission gap report, we use the, uh, the models and the, the physics almost from the International Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change models. And what we do is we look at how many much emissions can still fit into the atmosphere at the various uh, temperature, so 1.5 and, and 2 degrees. And then we compare that with what countries have expressed in their climate plans of where their emissions will peak, what the emissions will be in, in uh, 2030 and then also beyond. And Nicholas, uh, for the first time, the formal agenda of a UN climate summit will include the issue of so-called climate reparations. This is how uh, richer nations might compensate poorer countries for the effects of the climate crisis, with wealthier nations considered uh, one of the bigger drivers, or at least historical drivers, of global heating. Why is that issue so important? And what are you, what are you expecting on that front? So we have come to the situation where climate impacts are felt across the world. So the frequency, the severity of uh, climate uh, catastrophes are felt, whether it's the floods in Pakistan, the floods in Nigeria, the droughts in China, India, US, Europe, and so forth. The list can go on. We are now at a stage where the price of climate change is felt in the national coffers and in our personal wallets. So what I expect to get out of, of COP is there should be a decision on something called the Santiago Network. That's a, a, a mechanism for helping countries with building understanding and the capacity to address uh, loss and damage. That's the first one. We also expect that there would be uh, progress on financial contributions to setting up the Santiago network and helping countries with the first steps on addressing loss and damage. And then the final item, uh, perhaps it's not going to come all the way, but we hope to see progress and, uh, and an effort to build common understanding on how the world, how uh, the world can help build, uh, raising the funds that are needed to address with financial measures, loss and damage. So paying for the, the uh, loss of, of beach, of uh, damages to houses from storms, floods, and so forth. Yes, so certainly a lot of ground there to be covered. We'll be keeping an eye on the rest of COP27. Nicholas Hagelberg from the UNEP, thank you again for joining us. Appreciate it.